standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. Coming to you on 525-23. Yes, that's right. It is episode 421. Today we're going to talk about Christian blankety blank. Why do I say it that way? Well, you know, I found that a lot of times when the wrong people get a hold of something, they tend to muck it up. So in this world, uh, there's this boogeyman that was created called Christian nationalism. Now I've looked at it. Nothing there offends me or scares me. I don't know that I'm hundred percent on board, but then again, I'm not really a hundred percent on board with much of anything. So I, I step back, I look at it and I think to myself, what is it they're trying to accomplish? Well, they want to Christianize our nation. Okay. I, I actually like that. It's a good idea. They see the nation as it exists and they want to Christianize it again. I don't see anything wrong with this. Why should you, I mean, pagans want to paganize it. Leftists want to liberalize it. You know, the conservatives slow down the liberalization, but I mean, Everybody wants to control. They want to maintain a culture. They want to do what they deem is best for the community they live in. So I'm kind of hard pressed to see why I should be concerned about this. Why this is some great fear. What's what's the the major bugaboo here? And I got to think it's because one, they want to push you into that corner, right? They want to be able to define you. They've already pretty much wrecked that definition. I mean, back in days of yore, we took the words Tea Party, we made ourselves Tea Party Patriots, Tea Party members, whatever, and they ran that into the ground. They threw everything they could at it to destruct it and discredit all of us. And and the sad thing is they were successful and we let them do it. The whole idea behind the Tea Party back in the day was, yeah, we're going to focus on these five things. And if if the issue or the events going on don't relate to those five things, we're just not going to spend a lot of time on it. It was very simplistic in uh, its actions. Not simplistic in a negative way, but just streamlining what we're going to be involved in. We, We stay out of the rest of this muss and this muck, and we're going to focus on the things we can fix. In many ways, that was supposed to be helpful, supposed to be good. And there were a lot of people that were aligned with the Tea Party that necessarily weren't Christian. They necessarily weren't overly conservative. They just didn't want these things messed with. They thought the feds were wrong. They were out of line. Until the full assault came on us, right? Well, you must be a racist. Well, must you be a hater? Oh, you're a homophobe. You're this, you're that. And it's like, really? And people bought it. And they bought it all the time. You didn't have to prove anything. You just call the name long enough and they would believe it. And it's like there was this floating definition that just got made up as time went on. So let me ask you. If you're a phobe, that means you're afraid. Well, I'm not afraid of any of this stuff. I'm not driven by fear. I'm not largely driven by emotion. Can I promise you that 100% of the time I don't have any emotion in my actions or my thoughts or my deeds? Well, no, of course not. But primarily, 
you have your emotion, you process it, and then you decide what's the best thing to do going forward. So while it would have been very easy, you know, when they introduced the concept and the idea of Christian nationalist, but what's even funnier still is, as uh, Brian McClanahan had pointed out months ago, this word, this, these words together has been around for a century. Many of the old progressives, in fact, referred to themselves in a way that was called as a Christian nationalist or more by action and deed rather than words. But I mean, think about it. How do you think we got the Pledge of Allegiance put in all the schools? They, they tried to create a civic religion right out of Abraham Lincoln. Again, Brian McClanahan talked about this many, many times. And we, and we allowed this to happen. We allowed this supra-regional federal government to be all-encompassing and all-involved in everything that we do and basically allowed us to do certain things because we all bowed to it because we wanted that money. We wanted Uncle Sugar. Well, how did that work out for us? And now the conservatives, right, the right, if you will, the so-called right, is Coward by being called names. That's ridiculous. That's kind of crazy. So when I, when I look at the fact that I'm in Texas and Texas uh, took part in two acts of secession apart from the actual war for independence that took place before t- Texas was formed, both times they were in the right. And only one time did they lose, and they've been told for, oh, I don't know, 160 years now that they were wrong and evil to think that they could do this on their own. All based on one issue. And that one issue apparently is the only issue that matters, and it's the only thing we're allowed to discuss when there was a whole lot of other things going on. And we can go cherry pick specific speeches and specific issues and argue and waste time on this. But at the end of the day, it was always understood at the time that the union formed that the states could go their own way. It wasn't necessarily thought of as a good idea. It wasn't something to look forward to or desirable outcome, but it was perfectly legal and acceptable for them to do that until it wasn't. And that was promulgated by a guy that wanted to replace Christianity with a civic religion. And the people surrounding him were called radical Republicans because they wanted to institute their version of pure tyrannical tyrants or <laughs> tyranny upon upon the rest of the country, right? They wanted to make sure that everybody did it the way they thought was best. They wanted to enforce their will, their power over everybody and forget the consequences, forget the outcome. They thought they were right and they were going to make sure you did it their way. Fast forward to 2023 and look at what we've got going on in the world today. Look at it. Did you ever imagine this if you're my age 30 years ago, 40 years ago? 
And for you um, millennials out there, right? Did you ever imagine this would be the way things were going to be in 10 years? Back in 2013, did you ever foresee this is what we would be dealing with? And I don't know why anybody is okay with this. The clown world is in full effect. The The American people, or at least the powers that be in the American country, have determined that evil is good and good is evil. They have turned up that which is normal and elevated the abnormal. And we're supposed to sit here and accept it and take it and not question it. And then along comes the idea that, well, you know, if we were to try and Christianize people again, if we were, if we were to bring back that uh, morality driven by hmm, the Old and New Testament of the Bible, uh, we could fight back at this. We could effectively push this stuff back. We could retake our country for God. Well, of course, they didn't want that to happen. And, and they redefined their word and put it upon this group. So you're Christian nationalists. Well, okay, sure, we're fine. And rather than these people who have a little bit more of a spine than your average conservatives, they say, okay, fine, you want to use that hate language? We're going to take it, we're going to adopt it, we're going to run with it. I mean, MAGA no longer scares anybody, so, oh, we've got Christian nationalists. And, and really the thing that's most interesting about all this the people that were most fearful of this are progressive Christians. I know some. Oh, we can't have that Christian nationalism. Why? What's the concern? They support Christianity. They think the whole nation would benefit by being Christianized. Oh, well, you know, there's all this terrible stuff involved with it. And, you know, they're going to force you. Well, actually, um, I really haven't heard any Christian nationalists talk about forcing anybody to do anything. Um, they do want to change the laws. Oh, well, there you go. You're going to force people to do it because you change laws. Well, yeah, actually, but the laws have been changed by mm, as few as five people wearing black robes and you're perfectly okay with that. They redefined what a human was multiple times. They redefined marriage. You don't have a problem with that, but oh, those Christian nationalists say, yeah, yeah. They want to reassert some normality. They want to put things back into the order that they were. They want to honor God in the creation that he put us into. Oh, well, you can't do that. That's abusing power. Oh, really? So five guys in, or five people in black robes, they're not abusing their authority and their power. And while we're at it, I mean, there's an entire Congress and mm, they don't seem to care about what they do because, you know, if they can dream it up and deem it up, it's law of the land. And then, of course, there's the president that routinely abuses and ignores all of the restrictions on him because, you know, Constitution and all that. Well, we can't we can't tolerate Christian nationalism. They might seek to supplant that. Well, actually, from what I and I, look, ladies and gentlemen, to be perfectly honest, I have not finished reading Stephen Wilk's book. As a matter of fact, it is still sitting on its bookshelf. It is next up in the queue. And uh, I got to tell you. I haven't heard anything he's had to say that would indicate that we're going to force anybody to do anything other than acknowledge Christ is King. And then even then, it's not going to be a force. It's just going to be, this is what we believe, this is what we're going to do. You can join us or you can leave. And I'm really not sure how inviting people to go somewhere else is the end of the world. But yes, here we are. Oh, you can't do that. 
you can't expel people from your country. That's terrible. Well, they do it all the time in Africa and Asia. And, um, you know, I don't really see what the problem is here because they can peacefully leave and go somewhere else that they might be more comfortable with. That does seem to be like a peaceful, good solution. Oh, that's terrible. How dare you hate on those people? What are you afraid of? Hater. Bigot. Okay, oh, so you're calling me names again because you really don't have anything worthwhile to add to this? You don't have a response or you don't have any original thoughts in that head of yours? Oh, you can't call me names and talk me down to me. You're making me feel bad. You're violating my personal space. I mean, really, this is what we deal with. This is the level of discourse in today's day and age. Let me remind you, when we founded this country, we took some of the precepts that were brought about via the Enlightenment. Now, I got to say, I do kind of like some of the benefits that the Enlightenment and that thought process brought us. But at the end of the day, most of the Enlightenment thinkers didn't acknowledge that there was a God in heaven that created all of this. And honestly, I think a lot of them were looking to subvert and upend the created order. Maybe not now, maybe not intentionally, but by their actions, that's what's come about. So we have to consider ourselves. You know, I do like First Amendment protections. I I do like the freedom of speech, and I think largely it's been beneficial. But if only one side gets to exercise it, if only one side is approved to speak their truth, then how is that free speech, by the way? The left has no problem exercising power and hammering down any opposition. Meanwhile, the opposition finds their hands tied and their mouths taped. And that's a fair fight. Well, not in the world I grew up in, but apparently that's the way it is now. And if they bring forth an, a forbidden idea, ooh, Christian nationalism. I mean, really? Really? That, that That's what we're afraid of then argue on its merit. And you progressive Christians out there, well, you have to decide, is Christ king? Are you a Christian? And if so, what's your concern here? Articulate it. Put forth a rational argument as to why we shouldn't seek to Christianize our country. I mean, they Christianized Europe, and yeah, that would lead to some issues, namely about maintaining control and temporal authorities, But by and large, it was a positive net effect. Look at what's come out of Europe in the last three, four hundred years. Oh, what about those racists and the genocidal? Okay, well, people have been doing that since the dawn of time. And while we're at it, Tamerlane and uh, what's the guy's name again? Oh, yeah. Mao Zedong killed millions and millions and millions and millions of people long before the Nazis or the commies ever were dreamed. Well, I shouldn't say that. Mao Zedong was much later. But, all right. Kublai Khan, does that make you feel better? These people are excellent at what they do, which is mass murder. They, we protect that. We say it's a different culture. You don't understand. It's acceptable. Really? So when the Hutu and the Tutsis were fighting, we should have just sat back and let them do that. Okay, good to know. I'll keep that in mind the next time there's some kind of uh, genocide going on in anywhere other than these United States. Although apparently we have our own genocide that 
at least 40% of our population is quite happy about and they want to do all they can to maintain that it keeps happening. That's right, murdering babies. You know, and it's an interesting thing to me because apparently uh, there's a whole lot of, uh, let's call them upper middle class liberal women, white women, that are far more concerned about the ability to go kill a baby if that emergency should occur, than anything else. Why? Why? Well, when did life become so valueless? Oh, you don't want to talk about that. That's bad. That's bad manners. How dare you project on that? You're just a male. You don't understand. Oh, come on. Really? Really? That's what we got now? We're we're so short-sighted that we think killing babies is a good option going forward. I mean, even the Chinese who don't value life at all, have figured out that, well, maybe we killed a few too many people. Maybe we ought to slow down on the kill trip and produce some more babies. And, and of course, the solution in America, because, you know, we're too independently thinking and we're too free, was to import millions and millions of people here that actually don't have the same mores, don't have the same values, don't speak the same language, and quite frankly, are quite happy to be led by tyrants. Hey, but that was the solution, right? I mean, and a lot of these folks have already been Christianized. Now, granted, there's this Catholicism or some variation thereof of Catholicism, where not only do they have the Pope, they have the King to listen to. Protestantism kind of doesn't look like that anymore. I wish the Catholicism would follow suit. Okay, we've got this Pope guy that we listen to about church issues, and quite frankly, the current Pope gets a whole lot of stuff wrong. And I mean, every Catholic that I know agrees with me. He gets a whole lot of stuff wrong. But the reality is, that's their church leader. So be it. But if he focuses on church stuff and the, as a church leader, okay. But that doesn't mean that he can't and he shouldn't. And granted, this is a touchy subject here because one, I'm not Catholic. And two, I probably disagree with 75% of the things the current Pope would have to say. But as the leader of the church, he ought to be able to speak about pressing issues. He ought to be able to advise his people how they should look at the world and how they ultimately decide to vote. But yet Protestants don't do that, or at least white Protestants don't do that. And you've got to ask yourself, why is that? Well, they believe in this thing called separation of church and state. Well, okay, what exactly are we separating here? The state gets to make all the rules and impose all the challenges on the church, but the church has little to no input on what goes on at the state. Hmm. That doesn't seem very balanced. Well, let's try it again. Well, the church can influence its people and most people go vote and they determine what the state does. Okay. That sounds pretty decent. That's what kind of sort of worked for a long time. Or (sighs) the church is successful in Christianizing the people and the people only elect good leaders, and those good leaders reinforce the idea that we are a Christian nation. And you're free to leave to go to the next nation over, like Pagan Canada there, and if you want to have the same, let's call it Western European-style luxuries of indoor plumbing and electricity, yeah, you can go to Canada for now. And when I say Western European luxuries of indoor plumbing and electricity, I mean stuff that's reliable and 
presently available as a reliable thing. I mean, yeah, I know it exists most of the world now, but really, it's not really reliable. And that whole indoor plumbing thing, that's kind of iffy. And again, I'm not suggesting that these things are perfect or they're not without their downsides, but that's kind of what we want, right? Everybody likes being able to flip a switch and have light and power and computers and radios and so on and so forth. I kind of like the idea of going and turning the handle and I got fresh, clean water coming out into my sink. I rather like the idea that I can flush my toilet and that waste goes somewhere else. Now, in a regenerative world, we might be able to save our water off of our roof, run it through a filter filtration system and utilize it for things. And then as if it's hmm, gray water, we would recycle it in our hmm, greens uh, plot, right? The little garden outside. And for that black water, yeah, it would go in and be composted in with some other stuff. And in three months, we'd have more usable soil. Yeah, okay, that's great. And you could do that. But for all of that, you're probably still going to need electricity. And where's that going to come from? I mean, you could generate it on site, but that's a challenge. That's difficult. It's readily available and realistically cheap for what it is in this part of the world. Yet, the people that run things, those pagans that are in charge, they want to worship Mother Earth and take those things away and put you in a helpless position to their tyrannical edicts lest you should remember that you were created to better things or for better things so it's really simple do you want to suggest that the one world run by a few elites that seem to think that unless you're one of the so-called elites, you need to eat bugs, have one child or no child, and live in a rental home and do as you're told without question? Or do you want to consider the Christian nationalism? Maybe it offers a better option. And look, I realize there's a whole lot of stuff in between there on that scale. Right? You can go with the full pagan Gia worship, you know, socialistic worldview and domination of the entire earth, or you can go full pagan pandemonium mass murder, or you could bring Christ to the rest of the world. You can Christianize the world and realize that there are other nations, other tongues, and they can be separate and independent, function on their own. And quite frankly, a good number of them ought to be able to get along with their neighbors. We've managed to do that once we got past the, you know, Protestant Catholic divide by and large. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be war or bad things happen because we're still men. We're still fallen creatures. We still have bad impulses. That sin never fully leaves. Yet we can pretend we we can live in the fantastic future world that's, uh, bright and shiny and all is perfect and there's no want of anything, but that will likely never, ever happen. Or we could choose to base our lives on the reality that's in front of us and how can we best improve that? How can we best improve 
the lives of most people in the area. Can we articulate a way forward without trampling on people's rights, God-given rights, to be able to do certain things without interference? I got to tell you, while I'm hopeful, while while I choose to remain hopeful, and I think it's all possible, if not plausible, there's a very, very real disaster headed right our way. Whether you fully believe in the biblical understanding of what the future is or not, whether whether you subscribe to Christianity or not, you've got to be able to look around the world and see all these negative things that are playing out in front of us and how those that perceive themselves to have power and control and have special rights are dictating the terms of which we are allowed to live and function every day. And what are you going to do about it? I know the conservative answer is to vote harder, work harder, sacrifice more, but to what end? If you don't maintain what you have, if you don't, I mean, to some point, if, if there's no benefit, if there's nothing to be gained, if there's no way to hold the line, what's left? Christianize the nation. Repenting brings acceptance. Rededication brings an opportunity. But that requires we the people are willing to humble ourselves before our creator. Are you willing to do that? I got to be honest, I struggle with it. Every night I'm, I'm like, Lord, just tell me what I'm supposed to be doing here. Tell me what's next. Guide me through this because this is tough. There's a lot of challenges here. It doesn't all make sense. And then I, then I remind myself that the world doesn't make sense. The world's not for me to understand. But I need to trust and obey, right? I need to follow what I'm doing. I need to stay the course. And I'm telling you, those of you that are listening out there, whether it's 500 or 1,000 or 50 or 600, doesn't matter. Get on board. Listen. Go where you feel led. Take your stand there. For some people, that means you exit and build. Yeah, I totally stole John Bush's term there. I think he's right. I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything the guy says again. Once again, uh, not looking for 100%. But he's all about people being independent of the system, being able to make it on their own. I agree wholeheartedly. Maybe you stay and you look at how can I utilize the resources that we have readily available in the best way forward. Some would call it regenerative. Some would call it permaculture. Doesn't matter. Take advantage of what's right in front of your face. Do the best with what you've got. Maybe some of you say, you know what? Uh, I'm an activist. I'm going to do the activist thing. I'm going to protest or assert rights or go stand in the gap. Good. Good for you. Go for it. Do it. 
Some of you might say, you know what? I have young children to raise. That is my number one priority, and I'm going to homeschool, or I'm going to put them in a private school and volunteer my time there so that I can help the other students there. Great. Great idea. Please do it. You're building up the next generation. Some of you might say, well, you know what? I have a pretty good job. I take care of my family. I got a little extra I'm putting aside to do this or do that or support my church or support this uh, organization. Great. We need people to do that. Maybe you say, well, you know, I, I've done well. I have a nest egg. I have, I have money to invest. Uh, I'm looking for opportunities. What can we do? What can we, how can we build up our community? Oh, I don't know that I'm the first guy you should ask, but I would tell you, start another business. Bring people on board, partner with them, build a build or buy a building, repurpose it, repurpose lots of things. If they're standing by doing nothing, that's an opportunity for investment. That's an opportunity to improve the situation. An empty building is worthless. An empty life can feel worthless. We have to give meaning. We have to give purpose to a lot of people. We can do that, but you have to be willing to put in the work. You have to be willing to make an investment. Everybody's got a different way of looking at this. But if we all remember, we're working for the king. And not Elvis, by the way, the king in heaven, right? If we're working for the king of kings, he will bless our actions. He'll guide our way. We have to just be willing to do that. And again, I say to you, do you fear Christian nationalism? No, not at all. Why should you? If they really, truly want to Christianize the nation, we should be encouraged by that. We shouldn't go run and hide. We shouldn't listen to the progressive naysayers. We shouldn't listen to people that their idea of doing something is to be winsome and not scary and not really doing anything to proclaim Christ as king. Not impressed. Not impressed at all. But that's the world we live in. We have to deal with what we've got. We can do better. We should do better. We always need to be moving forward. Oh, and with that, this has been According to Callus. <laughs> it's a Wednesday, and I'll be back Thursday. And until then, I will see you on the other side. You know what I just thought about? <laughs> this episode is actually Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. And then we'll kick off the weekend strong. Thanks and have a good night. Canceled by the big tech mafia, but inadvertently profiting from owning their stocks in a mutual fund or ETF. At Two Pillars, they believe that censorship is a form of violence and a business practice that does not promote human flourishing. In many cases, through their investigative screening process, they can help you divest from companies that are denying your God-given inalienable right to speak freely. Hey, patriots. Two Pillars believes it's time for conservatives to align their values and investments. Two Pillars is your place for impact investing in the parallel economy. Find out what's in your investment portfolio with a complimentary portfolio review. Contact them today to learn more. Call toll-free at 833-377-0051 or send an email to info at twopillarsam.com. That's info at T-W-O-pillarsam.com. Get started today. Advisory services are offered through Jacob and Boaz Asset Management, LLC, doing business as Two Pillars Asset Management or Two Pillars. 
a registered investment advisor in the states of Texas and California. Two Pillars is not endorsed by any government agency and is not engaged in the practice of law or tax advice.